Welcome to today's episode of Ownership Matters, a podcast for homeowners in resident-owned communities brought to you by Rock USA. I'm Paul Bradley, and I'm running solo today because Mike's away from the mic. We have a great guest for you today, Kim Capen from Medville Cooperative in Goffstown, New Hampshire. I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with Kim for many years. He's wrapping up his third term as a Rock Association director for the New England region. As many of you know, every Rock that receives technical assistance and training from Rock USA Network is a member of the Rock Association. Each Rock gets one vote for a representative from one of three regions. That's their Rock Association director, and that same director serves on the Rock USA Board of Directors. Together, these three Rock leaders make up more than 20% of the Rock USA Board. Let me give you some background on Kim Capen. He moved into the Medville Cooperative in 2006, literally just weeks after they finalized the purchase of their neighborhood. Soon after moving in, Kim was appointed treasurer of the board of directors and later became board president. Over the course of a decade, Kim and the rest of the board have worked to remediate and replace 300 underground fuel tanks, removed many, many dangerous trees. He also took leadership in what was called the Fun Committee, which coordinates and hosts many clubs, activities, and social events. Kim was first elected to the Rock Association board in 2015. In that role, Kim is often invited to speak at pre-purchase meetings, post-purchase celebrations, and annual meetings across New England. Let's get to our interview with Kim. Well, Kim, great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Yeah. I'd like to start off with just having our listeners have a little deeper understanding of our guests. And for you, I know a lot about you, but one thing I don't know about you is, you know, I have a perspective about children, which is that the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. So I'd love to know uh, which parent of yours are you most like and why is that? I would say I'm more like my dad, not a man of a lot of words, very humble, very smart man. I probably am a little bit of a cross between the two of them, but I think I'm more like my dad in terms of my quiet demeanor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think most of us are a good combination of the two. But by the way you describe it, that resonates with me, you being a little closer to your father's tree. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that. And Kim, tell us a little bit more about yourself. What's your background and really what brings you to us today? Well, interesting journey. I came out of college and loved the uh, restaurant industry. I've sort of been in it mostly as a kid. And so I started in management I started in a Burger King, actually, as I was going to college. I was sort of a part-time employee there, and they liked what they saw and wanted to hire me right away. And so I started as a Burger King manager. As time went on, I've spent most of my life in the restaurant industry, the last 10 or 15 years of it in upper management. I've reinvented myself a few times since then as well. Uh, Generally, I'm a five-year person. Five years, I want to move on to something else. What else is out there for me? So I've been in the com- mostly on the business side of it, but on the in commercial cleaning business. I was in the diet industry for a few years, working with the Nutrisystem Diet Centers here in New Hampshire. I always like to reinvent myself. I'm sort of getting ready to retire now. I'm 75, and I closed a fairly good size, probably my largest real estate deal. It was a little over $2 million. So. 
it was a long haul. But in any case, I think I'm getting ready to retire and kind of enjoy some retirement things. And I'm retiring from a few things. As you know, I'm, I've spent my six years with uh, Rock USA. So that's off my plate. I'm retiring from the, after 11 and a half years on the Medville board, I'm retiring this year from that. So I've got a little bit of time on my hands. And so I think my wife, Diane, and I are going to maybe take some uh, tour of the country and countryside and sort of see what we've been missing as I've worked my tail off for the last 50 odd years. Correct, as you have and so deserve it. So uh, that's wonderful. We're going to get more into the Rock Association and Medville and Rock USA boards. Actually, let me start. You talked about dabbling some in residential real estate here of late in your last professional engagement. Kim, describe Medville Cooperative as you would as a realtor, you know, someone interested in potentially buying a home in the community. What's the elevator speech? Interestingly enough, I've sold a few homes in this community. My elevator speech is, this is the best community you'll ever, you'll ever live in. It's quiet. It's serene. People keep to themselves, but they also enjoy each other's company. We've rated three years in a row the best over 55 community in the state of New Hampshire. And that's all over 55 communities, not manufactured home communities. And that's for a good reason, is that we have a very active community. We we have an events committee that puts on like 30 events a year from breakfasts to fish fries on Friday nights to entertainment venues to educational venues. It's always something happening and something for everyone. And the last thing I say to people is, as you ride around the community, you'll see people walking. Stop, roll your window down, say hi, and say, how do you like living here? I'm very confident wherever you stop is going to give you that same elevator speech that this is the best community you could possibly live in. So we're proud of the community and we have every reason to be. You sure do. Congratulations on three years running named best uh, 55 plus community in the state. That is no small feat. Real tribute to the board of directors and the membership at Medville Cooperative. Congratulations. Very much so. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, Kim, you have two wonderful community centers at Medville. You're very close to the airport right off the interstate there in Manchester, Goffstown. So you have a lot of visitors to Medville. You've been generous as a co-op and hosted some Rock USA events and some New Hampshire Community Loan Fund events. And you've spoken at a lot of events. So Kim, I'm, I'm really interested in what some of the most popular questions that you're asked by these visitors, sometimes the first time they've ever been to a resident-owned community or interacted with a co-op. What questions, A, surprise you, or what questions are most common? I think the surprise question is the puzzle that it's a mobile home park. You know, it doesn't make any difference whether it's a manufactured home or a stick-built home. If there's pride and ownership, it looks like they all look alike. When you go to the basement, there isn't one, but you don't know that from looking from the outside. And so I think people are surprised the biggest surprise is that it doesn't look like what they're in, they have in their heads, what a mobile home park looks like. And I think they're still living, you know, 30 years ago. The stigma that's carried over the years, it doesn't exist anymore because most of these manufactured home communities now have upgraded their infrastructure. They've, especially the resident-owned communities, they don't have a profit motive. They have a quality of life motive and they have affordable housing motive. And so that motive changes the whole dynamic. And I think that what it does is it, it comes back to, brings about pride and ownership. And with that pride of ownership comes 
the community just looks different. It doesn't look different. It's the same homes. It's just that there's a great deal of pride of ownership in those homes. I think that happens in a lot of residential communities. And I think you're absolutely right. The quality of life motive and the affordability motive. You know, people want a safe and decent community that is economically secure, right? That's what we all want in our neighborhoods. That really is the motive. Really well stated, Kim. So let's go to to the national level, Kim, because uh, you're a co-op leader. You've served as Medville's uh, treasurer in the past and and, uh, president for many years. So you know co-ops at the local level. You've visited many, many co-ops throughout New England. And then uh, you've won now three elections to the National Rock Association Board and the Rock USA Board, representing New England. And as you said earlier, you're going to be completing your third term here and hitting your term limit at the end of 2021. But I'd love you just to reflect for the listeners, you know, what's been your experience being a Rock Association director? What's board governance at Rock USA Board of Directors like that might be different than how some co-op directors experience it within their rock? Well, the two are a little bit different, but they have the same mission. And so what sparked me to want to be on that board was the fact that we have term limits here and that you can only serve three two-year terms as the president. And so my third two-year term was up and I love what I do here. I didn't want it to be up, but it was. And I started looking outward and saying, well, what can I do to contribute to other communities? And I knew that Rock USA was in its early stages. And I said, uh, uh, they are going to elect someone from the New England region to be on that board. I want to be that person because I think I have more to give because what I learned here, I want to be able to pass on. It's a bit different for sure, but you, because you're a you're truly a board of directors on the Rock USA board. On the board of Bedville Cooperative, I'm not only a governing board, I'm part of a managing board. We have both hats to wear. It's a bit different. It's like the staff at Rock USA being on the board of Rock USA because you got dual roles. At first, it it seemed to be it was going to be a little bit intimidating, but I'm always up for a challenge. I always reach out beyond my skis. I always have, and sometimes I regret it, sometimes I don't, but I can say that I never regretted this. It was really an honor to be voted by my peers to be on that board. And it was an honor to understand that at the time, the Rock Association directors, people representing the communities around the country, represented almost 25% of the board. And my first reflection on that is what a commitment to grassroots management of of Rock USA. And they're bringing us up to listen to us about what our needs are and be responsive to those. And so it was really an honor to be part of that. And I've, I've grown a great deal in many other areas as well by being a part of the Rock USA board in terms of my ability to speak at events and speak uh, extemporaneously and even to have prepared speeches. But I've been honored to expand my own horizons in terms of my own speaking engagements because I've never been very good at speaking publicly. I'm good in a small crowd and I can sit in front of 150 residents at Medville and have no problem. Put me in front of a board of 10 people at Rock USA and to start with, it was a little intimidating. But once I realized that their mission and my mission were in a line, aligned and they were there to, to listen to me as well, it sort of changed the dynamic. And so 
I put it, it's the what is different. The what for isn't that different. What we're doing this all for is they have the same mission as I have my own little rock here. And that is to create affordable housing that gets noticed by the people that can support us in the way that we need help. And so any voice that I can lend to the mission of affordable, unsubsidized housing, I'm happy and honored to be a part of that because we're starting to hit our stride now. I can see that. I'm happy that I had to be a small part in that. Yeah. Well, that's great, Kim. You certainly are a significant part of it. And I've watched you deliver speeches in front of large groups, and you've done so really persuasively, helped bring people along in this march to raise up the profile of resident ownership and get, you know, ultimately support uh, the communities that we're all trying to assist here in their own journeys. You know, the association was formed in 2013 by, uh, of course, Lois Paris, who you knew here as a outstanding co-op leader from here in New Hampshire, and Natividad Seafeld, who you've served with on the association board. I'm really interested, Kim, in your perspective on the significance of the association. You know, you talked a little bit about that, but uh, you also just raised up what's in the future and your excitement over the future. Where do you see the association going? What's your outlook for Rock Association? I think the association it has has grown leaps and bounds since I started six years ago. From the time we started Excellence in Governance with a program that we went through with uh, NeighborWorks America, until now we have really pushed the association to be more active in the roles of different communities. I've I've had more opportunities to visit other communities because of the, the higher profile that we have within the organization. We're engaging a lot more of the community leaders in the association, the association when I started, it was three directors. Now it's three directors, two committees, 20-odd uh, leaders that are taking parts in all of those committees and all of the things that are going on within the, the association. And it's basically cooperatives helping cooperatives. It's the old saying, you know, yesterday I had no idea about being a leader in a cooperative, and today I'm at the forefront. Uh, I'm the president of my organization, something I never thought would happen. And it's all because they've been giving a little bit of support, a little bit of education, a little bit of encouragement. It all comes from their association and the, the technical assistance providers. The association is growing in terms of folks in the communities that are being a part of it, wanting to be a part of it, wanting to be supportive of it in the way of educating other leaders and in the way of advocating for financial support advocating for the uh, erasing the stigma that is associated with uh, manufactured home communities. The old stigma of trailer park doesn't exist any longer inside of Rock USA, inside of all the rocks, because inside of the rocks, this is our home. This isn't a trailer. This isn't something you haul behind your car. This is our home. And, and we've gotten, the association has gotten people to have talked about it enough where people now realize that we're bigger than the stigma that is associated with our homes. And we're better than that. And so we have people saying, let's show people what we can do. I'm so encouraged when I go to Leadership Institute and I see people who didn't dare to speak in front of a crowd of three and now are taking a leadership role espousing the fact that they didn't realize they had it in them until they were encouraged. And then when they got a little bit of success, they realized 
shoot, I can do this. And that's all you need to start and to keep this movement going. And that residents of a community know best what their community needs and what their community wants. And so they are best equipped to understand what the needs are and to address those. And without a profit motive, it's a whole lot easier. Right. I've seen it time and again, Kim. And it really, I think there's so much more leadership capacity across the board, but within resident-owned communities and within manufactured housing communities than people expect or that meets the eye, right? Uh, there's tremendous capacity for leadership within these communities. And I think the resiliency of resident-owned communities over the last 38 years has demonstrated that. And people are beginning to pay attention to it. Things have significantly changed in the last several years. I can see that. Yeah, it has me super excited about the future too. Yeah, Kim, part of that change, you started to talk a little bit there about the changing stigma. One of the issues you've provided leadership around at the association is around uh, brand. I'd be interested to have you share with listeners some of the work of the association around brand and ways you've acted. Yeah, one of the things that the association has done over the years is to provide grants to communities for different things that they need. We've known and wanted to address, known about and wanted to address stigma within the communities is because stigma is gets in the way of pride in community. And so we try to change the language so that internally we think differently about ourselves. We don't think we live in trailers, we live in homes. We don't think we live in something that you haul off in the back of your car when, when the times get tough. They're not mobile any longer. And so we had a lot of communities that the names in the community was such and such trailer park. We offered uh, folks two things. One is an understanding of the language we should be using to take pride in our in our homes. And two, an opportunity to change what the outside world looks at when they see our community. And when they see the word Terrace Hill resident-owned community, it says something differently than Terrace Hill trailer park. Language has implications. And so we've got a lot of folks in, our, in all of our communities who now think differently. They change the language in their bylaws to reflect not park, but community. We've done things that we feel would help them to take greater pride in their community and also help the outside world look at us differently. I mean, that's what branding is all about, teaching people what we are and erasing what they think we are. Really well, well stated. And uh, yeah, the Rock Grant program that the association has been running and last year was a fun year. Normally, this is distributing about $20,000 a year to co-ops. But the, during COVID, we all got together and realized that a little extra boost was needed. And so I think the association approved all 27 applications last year and distributed just over $50,000 out to communities. And you share a story that you recall from that grant round? There were several stories and folks, you know, you'd have 27, 28 applicants and you know you're only going to be able to make about 10 people happy, 10 to 12. So people had didn't have an expectation they were actually going to win. They tried. But during COVID, there was a lot of reasons for people to be down. They were isolated. A lot of things that were happening in communities weren't happening any longer. Communication was more difficult. Some of the calls that I made were just, I had people crying on the phone with joy that they were selected. And this is really going to help us so much in terms of 
helping the morale around the community because we're going to be able to fix this. We had, you know, from adding playgrounds to putting in new mail houses because the mail house was falling down to putting in a new sign. There is a lot of things that were granted last year. It was fun to make the calls because there was a great deal of pride in being able to offer those grants. And there was a tremendous amount of appreciation for lifting people's spirits at a very tough time that we were all going through. So true, Kim. And really, I think it was a part of the COVID story for Rock USA is, you know, being there standing shoulder to shoulder with communities through a pandemic where community leaders were stepping up and doing extraordinary things. TA providers were doing extraordinary things. And we wanted to play a role in really supporting communities in a variety of ways. And part of that was the, the Rock Grants. Thanks for sharing that. Kim, you're approaching the end of your third term as the association's New England representative and, of course, your service on the Rock USA board. So that seat will be available for uh, nominations beginning this fall, and we'll go through an election here in New England. I would be very interested, and I'm sure others in our audience would be interested, what advice you might have for co-op leaders that are considering a run for the association, be it in New England or in future years in the Midwest or West regions. Any advice? Yeah, I think my greatest advice is if thinking about it, then don't think very long, because if you're thinking about it, I think you're a good candidate because you already have it in your heart that you want to contribute and you want to be a part of this. If you're a leader in your own community, as I was, still am, but at the time I had to give up my position and I wanted to continue on this journey of supporting this rock model. I think that if you feel a little bit of an intimidation, then don't feel that way. You'll be pleasantly surprised when you get to your first board meeting at how welcomed you are and how important your voice is. And so you should not be intimidated. I can tell you that I was. I wish I had had someone give me this speech. But in any case, the fact is, is that you'll grow in your understanding of how this rock model works best. You'll grow in being able to support a lot of uh, folks that are around you and your communities around you. I've had no greater joy than going to visit another community and help and support them in some endeavor that they're trying to accomplish that I happen to be have had some experience in. And you'll learn from those communities because when I go to a community and I teach something or show them something during our conversations, I bring something back to my community. So it's a good exchange that way. The mission is is important and it needs people who care. That's the first two things. You need to care and you need to have some urge to, that you want to be a part of it. And I think that uh, I would encourage anyone who thinks they'd like to do this to just jump in and put your name in the ring because you'll have a great deal of fun. You'll learn a great deal and you'll learn to become a better you from having done it. So it's been a joy for me for the last six years. I plan uh, now that this term is over, I'm not going away. I still have work to do, and uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, continue on that work. So I encourage anyone who is just thinking they'd like to do it, thinking you'd like to do it is don't worry about anything else. You've already started on the journey with a good heart for the mission. So that's all that's needed. That's great. That's great, Kim. Absolutely. Good support for anybody considering and nominations will open up uh, this fall and be on our website as well as the New England co-ops will be notified. And Kim, yeah, for certain, we will expect you to 
remain active, although we may have to track you down at the Grand Canyon or Teton National Park or where <laughs> have you, I suspect, which is all good. Uh, maybe we could do something remotely or maybe we'll catch up to you there. Kim, I'd like to conclude with a somewhat of an open-ended question. And for co-op leaders in particular, I'd like to just have you reflect on what you keep front of mind as you're leading the Medville Cooperative as its president and in your various roles on the board over the years. You know, what are the principal things you have front of mind as you're exercising those duties and playing that important role? I think the most... The most important thing that I hold dear to is I make sure that we as a board of directors are extremely transparent with everything. I remind my fellow board members that we're just one of 301 members and we're all in this business as 301 business owners. And so everyone else deserves to know just as much as we do with the exception of personal information and find ways nine ways to Sunday to communicate everything that's going on in the community. And we think of new things all the time. You know, this past year, we didn't have a Facebook page. We now have one. I learned about emergency phone calls to people by using robocall. That's another way to communicate. We take pride in communicating as many ways as possible, any information that we have, because if you're passing along information, you're engaging your membership. If they read anything, if they see anything, if they hear anything, they're engaged. And that's the first step to volunteering is engaging people. And so as a leader, that's your biggest responsibility is to keep people informed because you need them behind you. You need them supporting what you're doing because they're paying the bills just like you are. I'm starting on this journey of understanding the importance of engaging community and they will be engaged if they have information to be engaged with. And so information is powerful, as they say. Well, keeping people in the know and communicating to them and making sure they, they are, it's a never ending need. People need to know. And what we've learned in this community is that the rumor mill goes away because people hear from the horse's mouth, if you will exactly what the story is. You know, we started a coffee house many years ago. The main reason for that was because there was a lack of communication and a lack of transparency and a lack of trust in the board. And that all turned around because we said, we're going to meet with you once a month and you can ask us anything. And we're going to expect you to bring any rumor you've heard to this meeting because we want to hear it. <laughs> Either we're going to some, lend some credence to it or we're going to dispel it. I remember you sharing that on the stage at the Rock Leadership Institute, I don't know, 2018, 2019, somewhere in there, maybe 19. The co-op leaders that were there were really interested in this idea of a coffee house and just an open exchange. And that you know really underscores your commitment to transparency and communication. Seven Ways to Sunday, I think was what you said, Kim. Really wonderful, wonderful lessons learned from a really outstanding career and outstanding period of time leading the Medville Cooperative. And so thank you, Kim, for joining us. Thank you for all you do for the resident ownership movement. It's extraordinary and we greatly appreciate it. We'll be in touch. You know that. Right. Thank you. Be well. Wow, that was great. Now you understand why Kim Capen is often invited to speak with co-ops across New England. He has tremendous experience and a perspective that fellow leaders really welcome. 
his dedication to transparent leadership and communications as a cornerstone to member engagement and volunteerism is straight from his heart, and it's also straight from his own practice. This is real. He is certainly leaving a legacy. And despite he and his wife's travel plans, we know and we are grateful that uh, he's not done yet. Thank you, Kim, for all you do and for your outstanding leadership. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for today's episode of Ownership Matters. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us. Be well. Be well.